0: It is Friday, everybody. Welcome back to Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. How are you doing today on this chilly, chilly Friday morning? And quite frankly, it's been chilly this whole entire week. Boy, do I miss St. Martin's weather so, so much. But I'm not going to be talking about the honeymoon at all in this episode. We have so much stuff to dive into today. Yes, Red Sox baseball, the almost near four-way tie for the wild card. Yes, Patriots-Bucks, as Julian Edelman's calling it, the Goat Bowl. And also, we just have to talk about what this game means. Not just from a Patriots level. Not just from a Tom Brady perspective or a Bill Belichick perspective. There is so much... Outside of the meaning, the personal, maybe emotional meaning behind this game. But this is a massive game for the Patriots. An absolute massive game for the Patriots. And on the other hand, it's a massive game for both Brady and Belichick alike. But before we dive into all of that, because we're going to sit here and talk a lot of football today. I do want to talk baseball. I do want to talk um, just Red Sox blue jays Mariners Yankees like what is going on in this wild card race I haven't seen nothing like this in a long time I, I really haven't I know there was like a few years ago I don't know if it was a few years ago or not I forget when there was like a a tie for the wild card okay so there was one in 2000 eight it was with the rockies i don't think it was, i don't think it was the year they made it to the world series though it Might have been like the year after or maybe it was like the diamondbacks in like 2009 or something like that it was you know play at the plate or whatever throw home and he slides in safe to win the game something like that that's that's the one i'm kind of thinking of where it was before the wildcard expanded but i thought there was another one more recently in the one game in wildcard era like early maybe it was like the first or second year that they had it anyways anyways we'll talk about that in a minute but obviously how are you doing today comment down below on youtube if that's where you're listening or reach out to me on social media how have you been this past week it's been cold have you been adjusting to this cold weather sweatshirts hoodies sweatpants all of the warm bundling gear i hate it so friggin' much i just want tank tops and shirts uh shorts oh and it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. It's, it's. what is it today going to be? Today's going to be high as 66. Tomorrow, uh, 72. And Sunday, 77. That's going to feel like summer. That 77 is going to feel like 97 to me. I, you know me. I'm a wimp when it comes to cold. I hate the cold. So, <sighs> all right. right, let's. We got to dial in here. You got to boop, 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 boop. dial in here. We have the Boston Red Sox took two of three for the Baltimore Orioles. Now on Monday, I said that the Red Sox need to win the next five of seven games down this stretch. They won two of three against the Orioles, which they probably should have swept them. But these next three games against the nationals are absolutely critical. I've said this a bunch of times. And obviously through the course of the season, things change, you know, That series against New York months ago at that time was the biggest series of the year. That series against the Rays a couple months ago at the time was the biggest series of the year. And at this time right now, this three game series, this three game weekend series to wrap up the season for the Boston Red Sox is beyond crucial. It's beyond vital. It is the biggest game, games, series. Of the entire year for this team. The entire season. You lose all three. You're done. You lose two of three. Chances are you're done. If you win two of three. The chances are. You should be able to squeak in. But I mean you never know. Mariners could win the next three. And now they're in. There's just so much riding. On this series. Against the freaking Washington nationals the montreal expos baby you know i love those montreal expos oh man the nationals are 65 and 94 they've been eliminated from the playoff picture they're 24 games out of the second wild card spot their run differential is negative 90 their last 10 they're four and six on a two-game losing streak beat their ass to the ground Put them in the cellar and just uncork 10 runs, 10 runs, 10 runs each game and give up one run, one run, one run in each game. If you are serious about being a playoff team, get the job done. Because if they don't, then this team is frauded. Now, I know at the you know first three months of the season, this team was super good. Yes, they were on pace for 100 wins. Potential World Series favorite for a long time. Then they do nothing at the trade deadline. Yes, Kyle Schwarber has turned out to be a very nice acquisition. He's a great bat, 30-plus home runs. He's hitting the ball fairly well. I get that. I understand that. And I love it. The Kyle Schwarber trade, I love it. I just wish it wasn't the only move that we made or the only impactful move that we made. I wish we also brought in, hate to beat a dead horse, but Anthony Rizzo or at least someone that actually plays first base and plays it very well alongside Kyle Schwarber. Now, it's not the player's fault that you know, upper management didn't make any moves. I can't blame Alexander Bogarts for Heim Bloom not making a trade for Anthony Rizzo. I can't blame J.D. Martinez for that. So I understand... The players frustration, you know, in the middle of August when they really went on that terrible, terrible losing streak, you know, where they just collapsed from first place and they like, you know, in and out of the wild card picture for a while. Like, I can understand where those guys are coming from because they're human and, you know, they feel things. They're emotional. It's a long season. It's like, oh, man, we've been playing for three and a half months and we couldn't get any reinforcements. And then the whole thing with COVID hits on top of that. And like those reinforcements could have been nice. Now you're bringing in Jose Iglesias and Jack Lopez and just Cutter Crawford who's not ready to come up yet. So everything in consideration. You take in the 0-3 start getting swept by Baltimore to start the season. You take that hot run that they went on late April, May. You take the no acquisitions at the trade deadline besides Kyle Schwarber who didn't play for three weeks. You take in covid You consider this. You consider that. The Chris Sale. uh, Chris Sale coming back from injury. You take everything in consideration and it has now left you 89 and 70. And at the beginning of the season, if you said that the Red Sox were going to finish, let me just call it 90 and 72. Let's just call it 90 and 72 for now. Make a nice even number. I think a lot of people would have taken that. I think a lot of people would have taken that. At the beginning of the season, the Red Sox... Over under was 80.5 or maybe it was 81.5. I forget 80 or 81.5. Hammer the over, obviously. You hammer the over on that and they are well over that. Right now there's seven, eight games over it. They could finish eight, nine, 10 games over it. But when you look at it from now compared to where you were just a couple months ago, you're disappointed in this team. I'm not saying you specifically. I, I mean, myself included. But if you look further back, this team has succeeded. You look at last year where they were. They were the bottom of the league last year. So it's just like uh, you've really got to take a lot of things into consideration here. If the Red Sox don't make the playoffs, I will be beyond pissed. I'll be beyond upset. It will be a failure of a season because the Boston Red Sox should be in the playoffs every single year that's just the kind of team that they are with the payroll that they have the players on their roster they should be in every single year now you look at a team like Toronto or Seattle they're having great seasons this year they're playoff contenders they're on the cusp of making it to the playoffs but they're not supposed to be in the playoffs year in and year out they don't have that roster that should be in the playoffs every year the Yankees they have that roster that they should be in the playoffs every single year. That payroll. You look at a team like the Texas Rangers. You know, if they got you know, just miraculously made the playoffs this year, right, as a wild card team. No one saw that coming. Everyone would think it's a great Cinderella story, and next year they could fall right back into the pit of despair of the American League West, and we'll never. And it's just like, okay. But if the New York Yankees were to fall to 59 and 100 this year, the world would basically feel like it's falling apart just because Yankees are one of those teams that should be in the playoffs every single year. Like the Astros, obviously, you know, past eight eight or so years or actually, now maybe like six years, they feel like they should be in the playoffs every single year. Yankees, Red Sox are already covered uh, for a long time. Detroit was that team. That should be in every single year, but they've kind of fallen off the cliff. Uh, The Dodgers, they're a team that should be in every single year, or at least it feels like it, right? The Braves, in the 90s, they were in the 90s and like the early 2000s. They were in there every single year. And then when they started to suck, it was like, what the hell is going on? So there's a handful of teams that should be in the playoffs every single year, right? Yeah, one year you miss it. I get it. It's fine. It happens. Last year was that year for the Red Sox, and also 2014, and also 2012 were those years as well, where the Red Sox don't make the playoffs. Oh, and 2015, when they sucked. So I've had enough of those years that the Red Sox don't make the playoffs. You know, I get it. They won in 2013, then a couple years they sucked. Then they made it back in 2016 and 17, then they eventually won in 18. They missed it in 19. They missed last year. I want consistency from this team. I have to admire the New York Yankees. They are a super consistent team. What is it, like 20-something years, 28 years with a winning record of at least 82 wins? That's so—I I hate the Yankees. Trust me, I got. I hate the Yankees. That's so admirable and respectable. I wish the Red Sox could have that consistency and that kind of success over almost 30 friggin' years. Things happen, things you know, fall apart, things change, I get it. But this year, if they do not make the playoffs this year, it is a 1,000% failure. It is a failure beyond belief. Now, I don't blame the players. It will be a 100% failure on upper management. They did not put the team necessary to go out and earn a wild card spot or at the time when the division was up for grabs. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And you can't, I mean, if you want to blame the players for not swinging at that third strike or making a fielding error that cost us the game or throwing a pitch down the middle and they hit a grand slam, okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But those first three months of the season, those first three and a half months, they were on fire. The best team in the league. Like I said, a super, uh, Super Bowl. Bro, are you serious? Super Bowl? World Series contender. For a long time, a World Series favorite. It's just, oh my God, it was so frustrating. And then, like, this team gets riddled with COVID. 15 players out with COVID, you know, due to the, whether they had it, close contact, whatever. And they were still able to play fairly well. They were still able to win games, be competitive. It's not the player's fault. If you want to give them a small slice, I would settle for 95% upper manager and 5% players. Because at the end of the day, yes, the players do play the game. Players have to execute plays. They have to score runs. They have to pitch the ball. They have to field the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball, and run the bases. Okay, fine. Yes. I'll give you five percent. How about that? But Heim Bloom not doing anything at the trade deadline when every other team, the Rays, the Astros, the White Sox, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Athletics, um I think the Cleveland Indians even made a move at the deadline. I, I don't remember about the Mariners. I want to say they did, but I'm not too positive. All made friggin' moves. That's just the American League. The National League teams did too. The Giants, the Brewers, the Braves, the Dodgers, Cardinals, Reds, Phillies, Padres, even the Mets who are not even in the playoffs anymore, all made moves. It's just, yes, Kyle Schwarber has turned out to be a nice piece, nice addition to this team. But he wasn't playing for the first three weeks after we got him because of an injury. So it's like, if Kyle Schwarber was a second piece that you brought in alongside a whoever, now we're cooking with grease, bro. Like now we're cooking with grease. Oh my god, it's just, it's frustrating. It's a little frustrating, and there is a path for the Red Sox to not just make the playoffs, but to also have that first wild card spot. And yes, the Yankees are currently two games up. On the Red Sox, well, I guess the Red Sox and the Mariners, because they're a virtual tie. For the second, for the first wildcard spot. So the Yankees are ninety-one and sixty-eight. Like I said, they're two games up, and they're playing the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend to wrap up the season. Now the Tampa Bay Rays already have the best record in the American League. They will have home field throughout the uh, the playoffs for the American League side. And they have nothing to lose. But I forget what win total. I think it was like their 97th win or maybe it was the 98th win. was a franchise record in wins in their 20 – when was their first year? 97? 90, 98? I don't know. 20-plus years, right? Highest win total in 20-plus years. Now, keep in mind, when they first came in as the Devil Rays, they sucked for like 10 years. They just – were god-awful. Then they changed their name to the Tampa Bay Rays, changed the colors and everything, makes it the World Series, gets smacked by the Phillies. So they are at a franchise-high win total with 98 wins heading into this weekend series. Three games left. If this team wanted to shoot for 100 wins, it's on the table. Obviously, you want to rest your players, but you don't want them to get rusty you want to play your players to get them you know, some last-minute reps. Especially against the Yankees, that wouldn't be a bad idea because you know, say the Yankees beat the Red Sox or the Mariners or whoever, maybe the Blue Jays sneak in, then they're going to be playing the Yankees. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe see some of their pitching. I don't think the Tampa Bay Rays will just throw this series away. I mean, I think there's a little bit there for them to fight for. Like I said, 100 wins, get a look at Yankees pitching, Hell, hell, you might even be able to, you know, knock the Yankees out of the playoffs. And I'm sure they wouldn't mind doing that. So there's a little bit there for the Rays to fight for. But honestly, I also wouldn't be surprised if they just threw it away because they had nothing. Theoretically and realistically, they do have nothing to play for in terms of seating, in terms of fighting for a playoff spot or whatever, home field, nothing to really fight for. It's just more pride. It's more for uh, bragging rights. And honestly, who wouldn't want to see a nice crisp Hundo in their win column? So that's what the Rays are fighting for. And obviously the Yankees are fighting for that first wild card spot. They're trying to stay in the picture. But if they get their asses handed to them, they could fall out. They could fall out of the playoff picture. I don't think it's likely. I just I mean they have to lose all three games and the Red Sox and the Mariners need to win all three games. And it's just like okay, but look, look, here's the Blue Jays, they're only one game out. So the Yankees, so it's the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays that are all fighting for two wildcard spots. And there's an article I'm going to read in just a second. The Yankees are playing a three-game series against Tampa in New York. The Red Sox are playing a three-game series against the Nationals in D.C. The Mariners are playing a three-game series against the Angels in Seattle. And the Toronto Blue Jays are playing a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles in toronto so everyone's freaking home except the red sox which kind of sucks but those are the matchups the yankees could have an easy weekend series against the rays depending on how they want to approach it or it could be an absolute bloodbath and difficult for them red sox should have a three-game sweep layup mariners Playing against the Angels, Angels 75-84, and 84. I mean, they got really nothing to play for, but they could probably try to, you know, the Angels could probably try to win to get the Mariners ousted from the playoff picture, which I'm sure they would love to do. And then the Blue Jays are playing against the Orioles. Should be a three-game layup for them, but, I mean, you saw how they would be able to beat the Red Sox yesterday. And I'm sure the Orioles wouldn't mind, you know, beating the Blue Jays so they don't get in, but do they want the Red Sox and the Yankees to get in when the Rays are already in? I don't know. So, very interesting slate of games across the league. I don't want to say across the league, but at least an interesting slate of games here in the American League for the final series of the season. It is beyond interesting. It is beyond exciting, and I cannot wait to watch it. Now, let me go to that article where this is from ForTheWin.com. Uh, for com. Here's how a possible bonkers four-way AL wildcard tiebreaker would play out, and that is possible. That is possible. Yankees lose. Say they get swept. No, say they lose 2 of 3. The Red Sox win the same exact 2 of 3 games that the Yankees lost. Like they won the same days, Same days. They lost the same day. Mariners, same thing. Win 2 of 3. And I believe the Blue Jays would have to win... All three games. And it's all its all likely. It's all possible. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it could happen. I mean, what are the chances? I, I don't know. Um, who's it written by? I like to give credit where credit's due. Charles Curtis. And he released this yesterday at 9.09 a.m. That's right. As of Thursday morning, we have four teams in the American League within one game of the top two wildcard spots. Well, now I guess the Yankees are up two games, but it's still possible. The New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, the Seattle Mariners, and the Toronto Blue Jays are all jockeying to see who can make it to the postseason. But what if they all finish with the same exact record? Let's try to make this as simple as possible to explain what would happen. Let's start with what would break the tie in terms of which teams are playing host to others. That would be head-to-head winning percentage from the regular season, and in this case, it would be head-to-head stats of each team against the other three. This is about to get confusing, so bear with me. Let's say the Red Sox have the best records against the other three teams. They get to choose their designation in the tiebreaker. They can choose to be Team A, B, or C. And here's why that's important. Team A gets home field for the tiebreaker game against Team B. Whoever wins that game goes on the virtual winner-takes-all wildcard contest. Correct that team, let's say it's the Yankees, can choose to go on to the road to face the Red Sox in the tie-breaking game as Team B. A bad idea, of course, if that ends up happening. Or be Team C, which will then host Team D. The third best team will choose one of the final two spots. The winner of Team C and D go on to the wildcard contest against the victor in Team A or B. Okay, this is where it gets a little confusing. This is where it gets a little confusing. I'm already confused. I don't know about you, but I'm already confused. I mean, it, it makes sense, but it's just oh, it's just team A, B, C. Oh my god. Okay. The same process would play out as above. Everyone would be everyone would pick their designation based on head-to-head record against the other two teams. Team A would host team B with the winner getting one wild card spot, but team C would host whoever loses the A versus B game with the winner of the second game being the second wild card. So that begs the question for the second best team. Would you rather go on the road to face team A and have the possibility of two games to get the wild card? Or do you become team C and get a day of rest? I know, but it's all very exciting and weird and that's sports. Wow, was that complicated? That that's that is so complicated. So you get to choose? I didn't think you get to choose. Like, say the Red Sox have the best head-to-head record against, you know, say, the the three other teams. I thought that just by default would be Team A because, you know, usually Team A is, you know, number one, right? You know, A, you know, kind of meters one. Interesting. Well, that was very confusing, and I did not read that before we got into it. But if you fully understood that and that makes complete sense to you, please let me know in the comment section down below on YouTube or if you're watching this on audio-only platforms. Reach out to me on social media, at Murph's card Town, uh, any social media platform, and just break this down to me. Like I said, I get it, but I'm a little stupid, so I need like baby words here. But that is going to be my Red Sox baseball wildcard segment for today's episode. On Monday, on Monday, we will know the entire picture. Oh, I don't want to say the entire picture because that may not be true. We will have a great idea. Of what we're cooking with in terms of the potential wild card playoffs, any play-in, any win, uh, win and you're in kind of games between Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, or the Blue Jays. I mean, if the Yankees sweep the Rays, then there's nothing to fight for in terms of the first wild spot. If the you know if the Blue Jays lose all their games and you know the Red Sox and Mariners are still tied, well now we got a play-in game right there. So Monday we will have a fantastic idea of what we're really working with because right now yes the Yankees are number one but theoretically they could still fall off and not even make the playoffs same for the Red Sox and Mariners obviously because the Blue Jays are only one game out of the second wild card spot ladies and gentlemen this is baseball right here this is why baseball is one of the best sports ever I know a lot of people can't watch baseball they can't get into it but oh my goodness this is what you live for game 163 game 164 are we gonna have a game 164 on our hands is that has that ever even happened game 163s have happened all the time you know two teams tiebreaker going for the the wild card or the division the loser gets the wild card happens all the time I don't want to say all the time maybe like every maybe twice every 10 years maybe so I'm, I'm exaggerating big time I've never seen a, a game 164 where two where teams have to play two extra regular season games to fight for a playoff spot. I kind of hope we see it. I really hope we see this insanity wrap up after this weekend. Actually, Wait, no. I don't want to see ins- this insanity wrap up. I want to see this insanity get sorted out so we have a game 163 and 164. That's what I'm trying to say. All right, folks. That's going to do it for baseball. I know a lot of people don't like baseball. A lot of people love baseball. But a lot of people might be here, honestly, for Patriots and Bucks, right? I mean, let's be honest. Biggest game of the season for the Patriots right now. I mean, being, them being one and two on the brink of one and three. Uh, biggest game in terms of uh, you know history, possibly. I mean, Brady, a twenty-year New England Patriot, coming back home to play against his former team, his former coach, and his former teammates. Now, this game would have little. I don't want to say little, but this game would be far less meaningful if it was in Tampa Bay. Be far less meaningful if this was in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it would still be nice. You know, here comes Belichick and, you know, the Patriots trying to dethrone the championship box and all that good stuff. But the fact that Brady has to go back to his original home, the original house that he built with Belichick into Belichick's kingdom into his arena and have to defeat him or at least I guess battle him is something that is so juicy because a player going into in a hostile environment is always talked about a coach going in a hostile environment not really talked about no one really cares because they're not playing they're just coaching so Brady going back to the place that he knew and loved to play against the team he called his team <laughs> for 20 years. That storyline, oh, it just salivates in my mouth. Oh, yeah. All right. What what, what does this game mean? Pause. <laughs> oh, this game means obviously a lot. Do I really have to tell you what this game means? I mean, I kind of just gave you a little... Little brief thing, but like, all right, let's talk about from the the Patriots' perspective because probably a lot of people that's only what they care about. The New England Patriots are one and two right now. They are one and two. They're on the brink of one and three, a total disaster. they they could go two and two and have the game of their life and beat this Bucks team, who is coming off a bad game themselves in Los Angeles the beginning of the season, I predicted the Patriots would be 3 and 0 at this point. 2 and 1 at worst. Boy was I wrong. <laughs> was I wrong? Cuz I expected the Patriots to lose this game. I did. And I still do. But now they're looking at 1 and 2, almost 1 and 3. Oh. You can't you can't lose this game now, not just because it's the Bucks and it's Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions take that away. It could be anybody. I could care less. This could be the Jets for all I care. This game is a must win because you can't go 1 and 3. You can just the playoffs goodbye. You can the division and the the wild card just kiss it all goodbye. If you go 1 and 3. Yes is an extra wild card spot which is nice, obviously. But I mean the AFC has some good teams. I mean the Bengals just won yesterday, so now they're 3 and 1. Yes, it's the Bengals and you know they have a lot to prove, but still 3 and 1 is 3 and 1. I'd rather be the Bengals right now with a 3 and 1 record than a the Patriots with a 1 and 3 record. Like am I right? So Patriots need to win this game. And I can honestly see this game being one of two ways. One Patriots have absolutely no freaking shot, and they just get absolutely torched 42-6. to 6. And it's just so uninteresting. And all they're talking about is Brady, 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 Brady. Beating his old team. Now he's beating all 32 teams in the league. Because, yeah, he's only beaten all 31. He hasn't beaten all 32 yet. He hasn't beaten the Patriots yet. And he'll become the third quarterback ever to do so. Uh, Peyton Manning and Brett Favre, I believe. So, Oh, Drew Brees too. I, yeah, Drew Brees too. So he'll be the fourth quarterback. So that's gonna be what they're gonna be talking about, you know, since halftime. Because halftime will probably be twenty-one to three, and it just be an absolute shit show. Or what I would like to see is that the Patriots, for some odd reason, make this a good game through like three quarters, making you think. That they have a shot. They're down by a touchdown. They got the ball, end of the third, start of the fourth. You know what? They're marching, whatever. They may kick a field goal. But then they lose by 17. <laughs> like, I mean, like, come on. Would you be really surprised if that happens? Like, a lot of people think that the Patriots have a chance. And I'm not going to say they don't. Because you probably could find some ways that they do. I don't think it's possible. But it would just be so Hollywood-esque. It would be so New England Patriot-esque for them to be so close for so long and make you feel like that the Patriots are just on the brink of winning this game. They just need one turnover, one stop, one defensive stand to get the ball back and just capitalize with all that momentum that they have. Like I said, early fourth quarter, down by a touchdown, they kick a field goal, make it a four point game, and then they lose by like 17, 18 points. Like, I I honestly could see that possibly happening. Like, it would be a close 18 point loss because of, you know, them being potentially able to, you know, punch it in to tie it early in the fourth quarter. But, like, that's what I feel is going to happen. It's going to make you feel the hope. You're going to feel the confidence and the emotion that, like, oh, my God, Matt Jones is going to do it. He's going to do it. And then your heart just gets ripped out when Tom Brady finds Mike Evans over 60 yards in the middle of the field getting tackled and then running a screen pass to, like, Gronk. And he just – it's just – and they just score in three plays. And then they just take the – you know, they just pull your heart right out. And now you're down by 11. Like, people have to realize that that could possibly happen, right? We've seen it before. Or, like I said, the first option is the Pages just straight up lose 42 to 6. I think it's going to be one of two ways, and those are the only two ways 42 to 6 blowout, or close early fourth quarter, thinking that you might be able to win it, and then you lose by 18. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I. Jesus. So, I do want to kind of. I don't, I'm not going to play the video or anything, but Tom Brady was asked about him potentially, you know, knowing Mac Jones, watching any of his film or, you know, what kind of, was he seeing him and such like that. And when asked about Mac Jones, Brady says, quote, I haven't seen him much at all, end quote. I don't blame him. Why do you want to see, you know, the heir to your throne? Why do you want to watch him? I mean, you're not playing defense. You don't care what his tendencies are. That's for the defensive room. That's what the defensive coordinator to do with, with the defensive guys. I mean, how much film is Brady watching? Side note, side note. How much film is Brady really watching on the Patriots defense? This dude watches film for probably 50 hours a week uh, against his opponents. And I'm sure he's watching film against the Patriots too. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to discredit his work ethic and his hard work, but he knows the defense over there. And he knows most of the guys over there, too. Yeah, you know, Matthew Judon, Josh Uche, Kyle Duggar. They're all new guys that he hasn't played with. I I know that. But J.C. Jackson, Devin McCourty, uh, Chase Winovich, Dante Hightower. He knows those guys. So it's, it's interesting for sure. I mean... I'm quite interested, but I mean, I'm not surprised that he hasn't seen Mac Jones play. I mean, who care? Why does he care? It's not like the Bucs were going to draft a quarterback in the first round of this past draft. So, and then I guess there's also like a thing where Brady has like a horse throat or whatever, and he's being tested for COVID, but yo, there is no way. There is no way that Tom Brady does not play in this game. There is zero shot that he doesn't play in this game. Like, come on. You, you 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 can't. Ugh. If Tom Brady does not play in this game, I will be pissed. I'll be so pissed. He better come back negative, or they better. I mean, no, I don't want to say that because I'm not trying to start something. But he just better come back negative because I ain't trying to deal with you know a Tom brady Bradyless Bucks versus Patriots where the Bucks still friggin' win. I mean, if they're gonna win, I'd rather Tom Brady beat us. In all honesty. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God this game has caused me so much stress and it's not just the fact it's you know Brady versus Bill Brady versus the Pats yes all that it does count for it but it's like oh pages can't go one and three they cannot go one and three um let's see what was I gonna say um I was gonna look some I was gonna say something I was gonna read you something oh yes Tom Brady there's an article from e s p n written by Jenna Lane. And the headline is Tom Brady says breakup with Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, was handled perfectly. Interesting. I'll tell you this. Us fans say no. <laughs> we say no to that. Anyways, let's, let's read the article here. Tom Brady says his breakup 18 months ago with the New England Patriots was handled, quote, perfectly, and that, quote, things worked out the best for himself, his former team, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His former team? That shit did not work out for his former team. I'll tell you that right now. Seven and nine last year. One and two this year. Cam Newton last year. Potentially Cam Newton again this year before he got cut. Hell no, it didn't work out perfectly for us. We made we made the playoffs last year with say Jared Stidham as the quarterback, showing a lot of promise. You losing the wild card round, then you have something to look forward to and build upon. But no, did not work out perfectly for the his former team. Brady's comments came one day after Bill Belichick denied a passage in a soon-to-be-released book stating that the Patriots coach refused to meet with a star quarterback in person before Brady left New England to sign with the Buccaneers in March 2020. Yeah, I-, I heard about that, by the way, that, you know, Brady wanted to meet Bill and all that before he went in separate ways, and Bill was like, oh, I'm busy or whatever. Okay, let's let's keep going. Quote, all those things are super personal, said Brady who returns to Foxborough on Sunday night for the first time since his departure after 20 seasons quote, we had a great relationship. Everything was handled the right way. We handled everything as gracefully as we could. It was an amazing time. It was handled perfectly. I think everyone understood where we were at the people involved in the situation. Things worked out the best for all of us. Still questioning that. And she forgot it. She forgot an end quote there. (laughs) We're all quote. We're all trying to do the best we can do now. That's what happens in life. You don't know where life is going to lead. I think the only thing I know how to do is give it all I can in every day, every moment, and the people who really bet on me. I really do. I want to do really well for them, the general manager and the head coach and the organization, with them coming into my life and saying, hey, we really want you here. It's been an amazing thing for me. End quote. On March 17, 2020, after meeting with Robert Kraft at the Patriots' owner's house, a meeting he described as emotional where tears were shed, Brady announced he was leaving the Patriots. Kraft later described the meeting as a, quote, really positive, loving moment. And he said, quote, loves Brady like a son. Which we've heard that before. But such a moment never happened between Brady and Belichick, despite 20 years of history together that included winning six Super Bowls. In his book... Quote, it better be feared, which will be published October 12th. ESPN senior writer Seth Wickersham writes that Belichick insisted they conduct Brady's exit meeting over the phone. And Brady told a friend that fact that it came that way was, quote, telling about how badly the duo's relationship had deteriorated over the years. Quote, no, that's not true. Belichick said Wednesday when asked if he declined to meet Brady prior to his departure. Quote, there are a few things about this book. It sounds like it's a lot of second, third, or fourth-hand comments. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to focus on this game and try to prepare for the box. End quote. When asked about Belichick, Brady said, quote, he's a great coach. He's everyone. He has everyone prepared, does a great job. He was a great mentor for me for a long time. I really enjoyed my time in New England. End quote. Brady then quickly steered the discussion towards his current team, his focus all after a 34-24 loss in Los Angeles Rams, the Bucks' first defeat since November 29th, 2020. Almost a year. Quote, this is from Brady. Quote, I'm super excited about what we got here. I've got a great group of coaches here, an amazing group of guys that still motivate me and inspire me to be the best I can for this team and this organization. I've just had a great last 18 months. It's been very fulfilling in a lot of different ways. I love my football experience here as well. My 20 years in New England was incredible. I've learned a lot. Coming out here for a year and a half, I've learned a lot. So, dot, dot, dot. I have nothing but incredible thoughts, memories, emotion towards the football experience I've had. That's obviously been the longest. I still have a lot of great friends there, but they know I want to kick their butts this week. End quote. I love that. Listen, I don't know Tom Brady personally. I don't know Belichick personally. I don't know Kraft personally. Whatever. I have always, always been a proponent. That was it Bill, was it Brady, Bill, Brady, Bill, Brady, whatever. Excuse me for the dynasty. I thought it was 50-50. I did. I really did. I thought it was 50-50. I wanted to believe that Belichick turned into this great coach, this great savvy coach. And Brady was this guy with a lot of raw potential. And he just needed the right coach or just the right system setting to really succeed. And you know what? After last year, I think it's Brady. I really do. And I just pulled it up because I ta- I was talking about it with my, uh, my friend John. Where is it? Where's the-, where's the numbers? I need the numbers. Where are the numbers? Because I have some statistics to share with you. Bill Belichick, in his coaching career, Without Tom Brady, this is going back to his days with the Cleveland Browns. This is going back to that Matt Castle year in 2008. Those four games with Garoppolo and Brissett, that Brady was suspended. Any game Brady missed or that he wasn't being coached or that he wasn't coaching Tom Brady. Bill Belichick is 54 and 61s. Yes, a lot of it's coming in the pre-Brady era, like I said, with the Cleveland Browns. But you have a full sample season. With Matt Castle. You have four games with Garoppolo and Brissett. You have a full season with Cam Newton. 54 and 61. Meanwhile, Brady goes down to Tampa Bay, takes this. What was the Bucks record beforehand? Buccaneers record. What was it in 2019? What was it in 2019? They were. Where the hell are they? Seven and nine. With Jameis Winston, that was his last year, and then Brady comes in, and he makes them a eleven and five team. That is a five. Was that four win difference, right? Four win difference. The New England Patriots. Where's the uh, AFC? I need to go to the AFC. New England Patriots. We're twelve and four in Brady's last year. They were 12-4 and four in 2019. And in 2020, they fall, come on, give me the AFC, to 7-9. Tom Brady is a four-and-a-half win difference. That is absolutely substantial in the NFL. A four-and-a-half game difference maker. That is a whole month. That is a whole quarter of the season obviously now with 17 games it's a little less than a quarter but whatever you you see what I'm saying four and a half game difference WTF it was Brady I don't want to say it was Brady all along because I mean that defense early in the you know in the Patriots you know the beginning of the dynasty was really good Brady was still up and coming had some good weapons though you know so, I don't want to say it was all Brady all the time. I think it was probably maybe Bill for a little bit early on. And then, you know, it became 50-50. And then, you know, it tipped to Brady. Then, it tipped to Bill. I think it just kind of went back and forth, ultimately kind of evening around 50-50. That's what I thought. And that's what I want to believe in. But maybe as of recently, the past uh, seven years, obviously dating back to the Seahawks Super Bowl, uh, dating back to the Falcons Super Bowl, dating back to the Eagles Super Bowl, the one that they lost – and then obviously the most recent one with the Rams Super Bowl. I want to say it was a lot of Brady, to be honest. Now I know Brady didn't pick the ball off of the goal line in the Seahawks Super Bowl. I know that. But that was a uh, that was Brian Flores, I believe, threw Malcolm Butler in that that um the second half. I don't I don't know the game adjustments, you know, entirely or whatnot, because they took Kyle Arrington out because he got torched. But that's where I believe this whole Brady versus Bill in terms of who was the king of the dynasty. Just my humble opinion, my humble opinion about the matter. And the last thing I want to talk about really quickly is I want to run through the NFL as I like to do every week. And I wanted to give my predictions based off of those matchups. So last night we had the Bengals winning on a game-winning field goal against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Cincinnati on Thursday Night Football. So obviously can't talk about that game and predict that game. But, 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 but. I did pick the Bengals to win in my survival league because I don't see myself ever picking the Bengals again this year. And they had me biting my nails, I'll tell you that. I have no strikes so far, but I wasn't trying to get a first strike by the Jacksonville Jaguars beating the team I predicted. Like, if I'm going to get a strike, I want to get a strike because a team actually lost to a good team that just outplayed them. And the Jaguars were not that team. Anyways, Titans-Jets-Jets in the meadowlands titans obviously not gonna talk about it lions versus the bears i think the bears have a bounce back game uh lions are just so close to winning they really are um i think the bears have a better roster and i think it's going to be chicago that wins whether it's uh annie or justin fields would i be surprised if the lions somehow pull this one out no but i don't think it's happening colts versus dolphins Colts look like ass this year. Dolphins have some promise, but ever since that week one win against the Patriots, they're not looking too good. Uh, I want to give it to Indy. I'm going to give it to the Colts, obviously, because I think the Patriots will go 1-3, so I need the Dolphins to go 1-3 as well. Browns versus the Vikings. Uh, I think the Browns will win that game. I think the Browns are a superior team, but the Vikings have a lot of good pieces, obviously. If, it was, if this game was in Cleveland, I would have a much better time picking the Browns. But all those games in Minnesota, I will still be picking the Browns. But I don't feel as confident doing so. Washington football team goes down to ATL to play against the Falcons. Football team needs a bounce back game here. They need to get some wins together. Otherwise, they can kiss that division goodbye to the Cowboys. So I'm picking the football team to beat the Falcons down in ATL. Texans versus Bills. I'm going to pick the Bills. Giants versus the Saints in New Orleans. Actually, I don't know. Are they still are they in New Orleans? I don't know where that game is going to be played technically. Um, let's see. I can click on tickets here. Is it in New Orleans? Is it in New Orleans? Oh, it is. Well, at least I can buy tickets for the, for the Super, for Superdome here. So I guess it is in New Orleans. Oh, sweet. All right. Good to see the Saints back in New Orleans. Oh, yes. I remember they were talking about that. Patriots and the Saints game, how like oh they've been traveling all over the country, da 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 da. It's good to be back for Week Four. Okay, I'm gonna pick the Saints. Obviously, hometown, uh, homecoming game. Everything that happened with Hurricane, uh, what was it, Irma, I believe. Got to pick the Saints here. I think they, I think they got a little bit of juice this year. I really do. I think they have something cooking. Uh, Chiefs, Eagles. Chiefs are falling off the face of the earth, and people aren't talking about it. They're one botched punt by the Browns in Week One from being zero three. Now, I don't, think that's, I don't think the Eagles will beat them. I think it will be a very interesting matchup with um, Mahomes and Hurts. Could the Eagles be close late into the game, but the Chiefs still pull it out? Yes. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. Panthers-Cowboys. This is a good game right here. This is a really, really good game here, and no one saw this coming. No one saw that the Panthers-Cowboys week four game would be a good one. I think it has a lot of juice. Cowboys, good team. Panthers are a surprisingly 3-0 good team. Since it's in Dallas, I want to say the Cowboys, but I'm not going to be surprised if the Panthers pull it out if the Panthers are able to win. That will show you that the Panthers have some good legitimacy for the remainder of the season. Cuz I said last week I was like, yeah, I know this uh, I said on Monday, I know this team is 3 and 0, but give it four uh give it 5, 6 weeks in where you know your record starts to fluffing up a little bit. And if they can beat the Cowboys, they might have some legitimacy in the NFC South and just the NFC in general. Seahawks, 49ers in, San it's not even in San, San Francisco. It's like two hours from San Francisco, their stadium, Levi Stadium, whatever it's called now. Um, I want to pick Seahawks. Something in my gut tells me maybe I'm hungry to go Seahawks. Do I have Russell Wilson as my quarterback in both my fantasy leagues? Yes. So am I biased? I try not to be. Because it's an unbiased and unscripted podcast. I've been saying that since day one for any new listeners. I'm going to go Seahawks here, but I don't feel confident. I don't feel comfortable with that pick, but I'm going to go Seahawks. Cardinals visit the Rams. 3-0 and Cardinals. Uh, what are the Rams? 3-0 and themselves. Big game here. This is going to be a do-or-die game for the Cardinals. They're going to show us how legitimate they are, similar to the Panthers. If the Cardinals can win this game... Go to 4 Beat the favorited Rams. A lot of Super Bowl. A lot of people picking them to win the Super Bowl, myself included. Then also show us the legitimacy of the Cardinals for the remainder of the season. If they lose and get torched and blown out, then maybe they're just fraudulent. But if they lose in a close battle, then that could still show the Cardinals' you know, playoff hopes. So I'm going to go Rams in this game. But I kind of want the Cardinals to win. But obviously, if I'm picking, I'm trying to pick, you know, you know, realistically and accurately as possible. I'm going to go Rams, but I do want the Cardinals to win. Steelers visit the Packers. I'm going to pick the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers and that team is back in action. That Steelers Steelers team, Big Ben, is just falling apart and crumbling. Najee Harris will probably have a great day. And I just think the Packers are just too good offensively and defensively for the Steelers, who are trying to still figure themselves out. Ravens visit the Broncos. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm so sorry. So I just got a notification on my phone and it says Orioles partying like it's 2011. Baltimore social media team put on a trolling clinic after O's took two of three versus Red Sox, denting their playoff hopes. Early in the podcast, this episode, I said that they won two of three. The Red Sox won two of three and that they needed to win 5 of 6, they already have that lost. So I am terribly sorry. I know I'm backtracking big time, but I did not want to end this podcast and then just find out how wrong I was. Red Sox lost to the Orioles on Tuesday 4 to 2, then they won on Wednesday 6 nothing and then they lost 6 to 2 yesterday on Thursday. So I guess I already still talked about the Red Sox and, you know, their situation. I guess none of that changes. If they were able to win another one of those games, obviously it significantly improves it. But ugh, I'm not going to really backtrack, but I just want to make sure that I gave myself a stat correction there. Ravens, Broncos. Um, This one's a thinker. This one's a thinker. Ravens got a lot of mojo going on. Broncos are 3-0. I'm going to pick the Ravens. But like the Cardinals and Panthers, if the Broncos can win this game, it could potentially show the legitimacy of them for this year. Because, you know, the first month or so, you know, bad teams win. uh, Good teams lose. You're still trying to figure yourselves out in the first, you know, three, four weeks, first month or so of the season. So we're just going to have to wait and see, you you know, the fate of the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Panthers. A lot of those teams you did not expect to be good who are still undefeated. Let's see when they play against good competition and see how it transpires. And I think it's a big week for all three of those teams, the the Panthers, Cardinals, and Broncos. I'm picking the Ravens to win, but I want the Broncos to win. So there's that. Buccaneers versus Patriots on Sunday Night Football. I'm picking the Buccaneers. Of course, I've already talked about this game a ton, but obviously I want the Patriots to win. Raiders visit Los Angeles Chargers for Monday Night Football. I like both teams. I really do like both teams. I like both teams so much. I'm going to go Chargers. I will not be surprised if the Raiders win. I will not be upset if the Raiders win. But I think Justin Herbert is a guy. I think he's a dude. I think he has a lot of potential to really take over this league and be a top potential potential here top five quarterback in this league i really really do i don't think that's far-fetched is it anytime soon i don't know but him moving those charges to 4-0 uh right i just want to make sure they would they would be 4-0 they would be 3-1 and okay so it's a big game for them because raiders are 3-0 and so i mean it's a big game for the the um the raiders too i mean can they move to 4-0 and just separate themselves from the chiefs that much more or you know The Chiefs win Raiders lose Chargers win things kind of start to fall back into place a little bit so big game all around for the Raiders the Chargers and of course the Chiefs Broncos like I mentioned that AFC West has a lot of juice this year so just to recap really quickly Titans over the Jets Bears over the Lions Colts over the Dolphins Browns over the Vikings football team over the Falcons Bills over the Texans Saints over the Giants Chiefs over the Eagles Panthers beating the Cowboys Seahawks beating the 49ers Cardinals I'm sorry Rams beating the Cardinals Packers beating the Steelers Ravens over Broncos Patriots demolishing the Patriots and the Chargers defeating the Raiders that is my week four slate prediction I cannot wait to see how this week goes it is a big week all across the league really you could probably pick any matchup and find headlines to talk about and I cannot wait for it Patriots Buccaneers game of the year Yes, yes, yes. Game of the year. I'm telling you that now it is the game of the year. If Brady only spent like 10 years or so in New England, won like three Super Bowl or two Super Bowls. Now it wouldn't be the game of the year, but 20 years, six Super Bowls. It's the game of the year until maybe like week 18. So, folks, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, that is going to do it for today's episode. Episode number 92 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. I really appreciate every single one of you who supports not only the shop, but also the podcast as well. And speaking of the shop, the raffle was drawn last night. A video will be released on my YouTube channel, Murph's Cartown Sports Shop, tomorrow for proof of who won. I won't say who what the jersey is until the prize is a, acquired and picked up by the winner. So until then, hopefully before Monday, I'll be able to let you know who the jersey was because I know a lot of you think it was this player or that player. I've just been saying no, whether you guess it right or wrong. I've just been saying no. So that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying, like I mentioned. If you're watching this on YouTube, Please make sure you like this video if you enjoyed today's podcast episode. While you're down there, please hit that giant red subscribe button as that would be much appreciated and a great way to show support. I'm almost at 50 subscribers. I know it's not a big number, but on a small channel trying to make a big impact, that would be really meaningful if I can get to 50 subscribers because that's a huge step into a bigger, you know, a Just a bigger impact and a bigger voice, right? It just means a lot to me if I can get to 50, and I'm so close to it. And then also, comment any comments, thoughts, questions, or anything you want to talk about that we talked about. Maybe you disagree with me about the playoff picture for baseball, or maybe you think the Patriots do have a shot. Just let me know what you think in the comment section down below, and also those listening on audio-only platforms as well. Reach out to me on social media, at MurphsCardTown. Reach out to me with your Thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, anything you want to talk about, discuss, or debate as well. But that is going to do it for today's episode. I really hope you have a fantastic weekend. It's going to feel like summer with the weather being the 70s. I can promise you that. And I cannot wait to get back here and record Monday's episode. We have so, so much to talk about. We really freaking do. Not just baseball, not just football, not just Patriots versus Bucks, but everything. Everything all piled up it's going to be a massive episode it's going to be a big episode that will be episode 93 and that'll be airing and recording on monday but between now and then you guys know that i love you and you know that i will always always see you